Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. My name is Mark, and if you're new here today, if maybe this is your second or third time, we just want to say welcome to you. We're grateful that you are here with us today. Now, as Sean said, we're kicking off a brand new series. It's really for the month that we're calling Outside the Walls, and here's why we're doing that. Each Sunday, we gather here at this location and we get to celebrate things like great children's ministry and great student ministry and great life groups and Bible studies and great worship like we just experienced. There are uh, all kinds of care ministries that happen here and all these things happen because of you and the time that you put into creating. There's a lot of great things that happen inside the walls right here every Sunday because of the work that so many of you do to make it available so that all of us can not only benefit from it, but we can invite other people here to benefit from it as well. And we're so grateful for those things. But that's not what this series is about at all. This series is about the rest of our county outside these walls. They're busy doing things right now, especially the vulnerable and those who are the least of these who are out there. What we wanna do in this series is we wanna actually show the love of God to the rest of our community by giving financially and by serving them physically. And let me just right out of the gate put you at ease and just know this, we're not gonna ask for any money for our church, okay? So you can relax knowing that. However, we are gonna ask you to partner with some local nonprofits because we're just so excited about the work that they're doing amongst some of the people around us. So if you're ready, Let's get started, because at the end of the service today, we've got some super practical steps that we want to share with you. In fact, one of the things that you probably don't know, but we wrestle with every week as we're putting a message together, is at the end of the message, the thing that haunts me every time is I always think this, yeah, but what about Monday morning at 8 o'clock? How does this message matter at Monday morning at 8 o'clock when people are about their real lives doing real hard things? How does this message matter then? Trying to figure out what are those practical steps. And today and throughout this month, it is super clear because we're going to have obvious steps at the end of each message that we can all take together. It couldn't be more practical, so I can't wait for us to get there. But first, I want us to start this entire series off with a bold statement of truth about you. You ready? You're rich. You're rich. Now, you don't think you're rich. You don't like to even hear somebody say that you're rich. But let me give it to you in global perspective. Do you realize that unlike most people, most of us work five days a week, and yet we have enough shelter and food for seven days a week? Much of the world doesn't have that experience. You may say, well, no, that doesn't prove that I'm rich, but it does prove that you're not poor. But let's push it a little bit further. Nearly half of the world lives on less than $5.50 a day. I don't care anything about purchasing power, $5.50 a day. Less than, 46% of the world lives on less than $5.50. You can't even get a number one at Whataburger for $5.50. I mean, the average person who works at a fast food restaurant around here makes nearly three times per hour what 46% of the world 
makes in a day. Less than $5.50 a day. So I just want to say to you, congratulations, you're rich. I know, I feel the tension already, I love it. So let's do this. I want you to look at the person beside you and tell them, congratulations, you're rich. Take a second and tell them that. Okay, those were three words. Now, how many of you feel just a little uncomfortable when somebody says to you that you're rich? Just raise your hand. Yeah, of course we do. I feel the same way I am with you. I don't even like saying it. I don't want to hear it. I feel the tension. I feel the awkwardness of someone looking at me and saying, hey, you're rich, and you're rich. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, well, how can I be rich? Because there are some months where there's more month than money, right? Ever feel that? Or you think, man, everything feels like it's getting more expensive, inflation or whatever, but it feels like I'm barely able to afford what I used to get, and now I'm wondering how the money's going to last. Is is my retirement going to last my lifetime? Like you're always worried about these things. How can I be rich in reality? Well, the truth is we all do have problems, but... Rich person problems are different from poor person problems. Most of us in this room aren't thinking, I don't know if I'll be able to eat today. Most of us didn't walk in with that burden. Oh, we have problems, but we have rich person problems. Here are some of our problems. Our problems are bad cell phone service, right? Can I get an amen? That's frustrating, right? Or slow internet. Yeah, you're trying to watch the video, it just will not download. And two seconds on the computer is like 20 minutes in real life, right? A flight delay. You're trying to get on vacation here. Car trouble. Slow Amazon deliveries. Right? What do you mean it's going to take another day? You realize how important I am, how much I have to do? So here's some funny memes on rich person problems. Here's one. Yeah, the Wi-Fi is free, but it's too slow. Rich person problem. Here's one. I get out of the shower and I can't unlock my iPhone because I have pruny finger. It's a rich person problem. I left the remote on the other side of the room. It's a rich person problem. I want to turn the lights off, but the bed's too comfy. It's a rich person problem. I had too much for lunch and now I'm tired. It's a rich person problem, right? So this, this week, we're trying to, I always like to invite staff members in and, and to help in preparation for the message. And just this past week, I was talking with Isaac and, and Ben, who's our student pastor, and we were gathered. And, and we don't normally do this, but this week, we actually ordered in a lunch. We were eating. By the way, we got Dave's Hot Chicken, which is down on Preston here. Killer. If you haven't eaten there yet, I'd highly recommend the Reaper if you like a little, you know, you like to know you're alive. And so we get this meal, and, and all of a sudden, we're talking about being rich, And all of a sudden, I look up from my computer, and here are my two friends and helpers for this message. (laughs) It's a rich person problem. So here's here's the thing. If me saying you're rich makes you feel guilty, please don't feel guilty. Instead, what I would invite you to consider is to feel gratitude. Gratitude for all that we have been given. I mean, think about it. We live in one of the richest counties, in one of the richest nations, in one of the richest times in history. 
We didn't do any of that. We could be said, well, yeah, but I worked hard. Yeah, but you could have been born in a yurt in Mongolia and worked your entire life and you would have, been, you would have died with what you were born with. The reality is we have been incredibly fortunate and blessed to live at this place at this time. And don't to feel guilty about that, but instead to feel gratitude because great things flow from a heart of gratitude and to just embrace it and to acknowledge it. But I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but just that term rich, I don't feel good about saying that I'm rich. That doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel accurate. And and I think there's some reasons why we won't admit that we're rich. One is because it's kind of a subjective term, isn't it? Like there's no overarching definition of rich. What does rich even mean? I mean, if I look at your bank account, I might think you're rich. If you look at mine, you might think that I'm rich. We normally define rich by starting with us as the foundation, right? In fact, it was a Gallup poll that revealed that the way people define rich, this is really interesting, it revealed that the vaguely describes that rich as approximately double what I have. I'm not rich, but you might be, right? And so if you make $30,000 a year, somebody who makes $60,000 is rich. If you make 45, somebody that makes 90 is rich. You make 100, somebody that makes 200 is rich. We define rich based on what we have. But what we all do is we define rich as more than what I have. Rich is a moving target. Rich is one of those things that's just a little vague. I just know I'm not that. I just know I'm not rich. And that's the problem. You won't admit you're rich. You might not even know it, and you hesitate to acknowledge it, just like me. See, the problem is not that you're rich. You're just not very good at being rich. Owning it and acknowledging it, globally speaking, you are rich. And here's a consequence of us not admitting it, owning it, and and embracing it, is we pretend that we will be generous when I'm rich. When I have more, I'll be happy to give away to these local organizations in our community whenever that happens. But here's what I know is that's not true. You know why we know that's not true? Because in America, when you take the median income of $50,000, those people, according to IRS tax returns, give 6% to charity and churches. But people who make $200,000 or more decrease their percentage of giving to 4% or less. And meaning, the more you make, the less percentage of income you will give away. In other words, you won't be more generous as you make more. You're likely to be less generous. Why is that a problem? Well, we're just not good at being rich. Now, let me give you a disclaimer because this is important right out of the gate. The goal is not to be rich. The goal is to learn how to handle the blessings that I have, that I have been given, that you have and that you have been given in a way that honors God and makes this world a better place. Here's all I want to say is, when we look at globally speaking the fact that we are rich, there is a responsibility that comes with those blessings. Ginger and I were in a small group and we lived in the Bay Area a few years ago and we had several couples in that small group and one of the couples, they are a billionaire. They are billionaires. And the lady was telling her story about when she was 
born and raised in Africa on the mission field, her parents were missionaries, that they were extremely poor. So for the first 20 years of her life, that was her existence. And so then I began to ask her, I said, well, which is harder? Because she's a true rags to riches story. I said, which is harder, being poor or being rich? And she said, both are hard, but being rich is harder. And of course I said, why? Like all of us go, well, let me try it, right? I said, why is being rich harder? And she said, because there is a weight of responsibility that comes with being rich. There is a weight of responsibility when you have to form a, a, a committee and a council to, to, to hear all the desperate needs of people who are around this world and we're keeping our eye out for people who have genuine needs. We're also constantly hearing from people who have dreams for the kingdom and have innovative and and they want to do things to move the kingdom forward and we're constantly here we can't help them all but we listen to as many as we can and then we have to wrestle with and prayerfully battle over which ones can we help and how much can we help them and she said the constant weight of trying to carry this responsibility is so heavy and both of them said at the same time our life first is to whom much is given much is required and the difference between them and me and maybe us is they acknowledge it they own it and now they carry responsibility and they're looking around at ways they can help because they know that they have been blessed in a way that is unusual and all of us in this room globally speaking we have been blessed in a way that is unusual and the difference is we're so hesitant because yuckiness has been stuck to people who are rich and we're not those people but there is a blessing that we have and in that comes a responsibility where if we will acknowledge it and embrace it we can do good for this community and for this world it's just getting from that place of guilt to the place of gratitude to say God Thank you for what you've given me, and I will not let it be used all on me. I will use it, and I will be responsible. Admitting you're rich simply means you accept responsibility. Now, here's the question. Again, this isn't about guilt. This is about gratitude, being grateful for what we have. Here's the question. How do we handle our riches with gratitude? And here's where we get to the verse. And again, I just got to keep saying this because maybe it just makes me more comfortable to keep moving forward. We aren't asking you for money for the church today, okay? All right, I feel better. All right, so we're gonna take our Bible in 1 Timothy chapter six, and I want you to see this because in this passage, if you don't have a Bible, there's one there in the pew, you can look with us at uh, uh, page 963. If you don't uh, have a pew Bible, if you're looking at your Bible, just find 1 Timothy table of contents. We're gonna look at chapter six today. Paul, who is a legendary follower of Jesus, is mentoring another younger follower of Jesus named Timothy. Timothy is pastoring a church that is in one of the port cities around the Mediterranean. Paul knows this church inside and out. Do you know why? Because Paul planted, he started that church. And now Timothy is leading that church and Paul knows there are people in his church who are rich. And so Paul is teaching Timothy, here's how you teach people who have wealth. Here's how you teach people who have more than most. And Paul has some insights in how we're supposed to relate to money that even if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, you're not sure you want to follow Jesus and you're just kind of checking things out, this is really helpful on how you should relate to your money. It's a good insight 
whether you follow Jesus or not. And so I want us to see it together. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul to Timothy, really I believe it's God to us, chapter 6 verse 17. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says about money right out of the gate. He says, command those who are, say it with me, rich. See, it's not my fault I keep using that word. We're going to blame Paul, okay? Because for 2,000 years, this is the insight he had, is to own the fact that there are people who have more, and they are simply rich. They are rich. So I got to admit, I'm a little uncomfortable with that word, but it probably means, like some of us, I just need to transfer some of my guilt into gratitude for where God allows me to live, what he's allowed me to have. So what does that mean, Paul? What does that mean in my relationship with what I have been given? Look what he says in the next part of this verse. He says, command those who are rich in this present world. So where we live is temporary. This is all. There's a future world. There's a present world, Paul is saying. And there are those of us who in this present world have been given more materially. And he said, here's the warning. Command them not to be arrogant. And, he goes on to say, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. So it's here today and gone tomorrow. Paul is saying, for those of us who have anything in this life, that every dollar bill ought to come like a Surgeon General warning on a pack of cigarettes. There ought to be a warning sticker that comes on your uh, monthly uh, payment from your company, when they direct deposit that into your account, you ought to get an email with this warning on it. When you check your 401k, every time you look at your financial investments in the update, it ought to have this warning on it, Paul said, because there are two effects, sort of side effects to money. And Paul is telling us about this. Number one, he says, money may cause arrogance. Now, I don't know about you, have you ever known somebody who you thought, you know, they're a great person? And then all of a sudden, over time, you didn't know it initially, but over time, you find out that they're wealthy. All of a sudden, they just seem a little more attractive, right? They just seem smarter. Like, I don't know, they don't know anything about what I'm trying to make this decision on, but because they're wealthy, I'm going to ask them anyway, Right? Like there's this thing in which I see people differently who have money in the same way we will see ourselves differently when we realize that we have more. Sometimes net worth will equal self-worth and the more we have, and globally speaking, we have been blessed with more, the more we have, the more tempted we are, Paul said, to be arrogant or to feel superior. And over and over, we see in Scripture, Jesus himself, who talks about it's the least of these who are the most. In other words, we're actually getting it backwards when we see uh, blessings, uh, financial blessings as having more worth, and yet we can't help it because it seems like that's what's celebrated around us and it's celebrated within us. And there's a way to guard against having more leading to arrogance, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, but the first time we have to make sure that we understand there is a warning that comes with every piece of money you get. This may cause arrogance. Secondly, the second warning Paul gives here is, the money may cause your hope to migrate. In other words, the more money you have, the more money that's in your 401k, 
The more money that's in your investment portfolio, the higher you go on the pay scale, the more tempted you are to put your hope in it. You would think it would free you, but it's the opposite. Money has a way of actually stealing our hope and anchoring it in what Paul says is uncertain. The more you have, the more tempted you are to put your hope in it. That's why there's a prayer here that the proverb offers that I doubt anyone in this room has ever prayed. He prayed, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread, just enough for today. Otherwise, here was their fear. Think about this fear. This is a 1,500-year-old proverb. Otherwise, I may have too much, and here's the fear, and I will disown you. And I will say, who is the Lord? You ever had that fear? You ever had the fear, God, don't give me too much because I'm afraid I will disown you. I'm afraid I will stop depending on you. Don't give me too much because I'm afraid that my hope will migrate away from you. You ever had that fear? Those who went before us, this was a very real Fear, it's very different, isn't it? We fear we won't have enough. They were afraid they would have too much. So how do we handle our riches with gratitude? Back to that question. And this is where Paul gets super practical and he says, look, I know there are people who follow Jesus and they want that to be their legacy. But they've been blessed. How do they follow Jesus and handle their riches with gratitude. And I love the rest of this verse. He just kind of summarizes it and he says, tell them to put their hope in God. Now, I don't know about you, I see something like that and I think, okay, well, we're done. Dismissed, let's walk out, that's what we do. And then Monday morning at eight gets here and we go, now how do I put my hope in God? How do I do that versus hope in my money or hope in anything else I will be tempted? How do I put my hope in God? He keeps going. He goes, tell them to put their hope in God and watch this. The God who richly provides. In other words, it's not all from me. It's all from him. It's all to me, but it's not all for me. Recognizing that God richly provides. And then I love this. He provides us with everything for our, say this last word with me, enjoyment. See, here's where it's not about guilt. Knock yourself out and go on your vacation. Enjoy what God has given you. He wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to embrace the reality that there are blessings that have been given to us. It's just not all for us. So I want to introduce you to just a bottom line that Paul really just gave us in this verse that I don't know about you, but it is a great gauge of my heart. When I look around the world and I see what the rest of the world doesn't have compared to what we have, here's a mantra based on what Paul has just shared with us. I want you to see it. I won't put my hope in riches, but in the one who richly provides. Would you just say that out loud with me? Say that with me. I won't put my hope in riches, but in the one who richly provides. This is the battle for our hearts. That's why Jesus said you cannot serve God 
and money. There is the great competitor for your heart and it's actually this. This is why Paul said in Romans that there is a temptation for us to serve the created instead of the creator, to, to celebrate the gifts instead of the gift giver. And here we're saying, I don't want to put my hope in riches. I want to keep my hope anchored in the one who richly provides. The question is, but how? Monday morning at 8 o'clock is going to come. How do I do that? It sounds great in theory, but how do we do that? And this is where Paul doesn't pull any punches. He just shoots straight and gives us a crystal clear, simple, step-by-step plan in the very next verse, verse 18. I want you to see it. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18, Paul knew this was our wrestling, and so he gives us a great, some great clarity. He says, command them to do good, and here it is, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous. And willing to share to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share so how do we handle our riches with gratitude Paul makes it crystal clear he just says good deeds and financial generosity be generous and willing to share some of what the the one has richly provided me and you Pretty simple, isn't it? So now we're back to us. Here we are in 2022. What does that mean to us as we hear about this ancient wisdom of how we should relate to the blessings that we all have been given? And as I said, as we're beginning this series, what we're ultimately hoping to do is to show this county how much God loves them, how much God is pursuing them and wants an eternal relationship with them. And then Jesus comes along and he's the one who said that make sure that you provide for the least of these, watch this, among you. Not just globally speaking, but there are vulnerable and the least of these among you in your community, in your county. And so we're wanting to be super practical with some nonprofit organizations that are right here in our county that are, maybe you drive by some of these organizations regularly. You might be familiar with some or you might not be familiar with any of them. You say, what's the deal about these six organizations that we're highlighting? And let me just tell you, the big deal about these six organizations is they're making a really big difference here in our community amongst the least of these, amongst the orphans, amongst the poor, amongst the homeless, amongst the hungry. These organizations are making a big difference. And, and I know the temptation because I, I've been raised in church and so some of you who, who may have even been raised in church, you may feel what I feel. It's like, well, why doesn't the church just do this? Why doesn't the church just meet the need of the homeless, of the poor, of the orphans? Why, doesn't we, why don't we do all these things through the church? And the truth is, we could try and do all these things through the church, but you know what would happen is we would do them all mm, in a mediocre way. If we tried to do everything through the church, instead, what we have an opportunity to do is to partner with organizations that are experts at these, in these areas here in our community who are laser focused on meeting the needs of the least of these and we are allowed to partner with them and help them go further faster. It's a pretty unique opportunity right here in Collin County. So here's what I want you to do. Let's get super practical. I told you this is where we were gonna go. 
Would you just pull out that handout that you may have been given on the way in? If you didn't get this on the way in, you can just click on the QR code on the back of your pew and you'll actually be able to pull this up as well. But there is a handout that we tried to hand folks on the way in and, and we hopefully got one of those into your hands. And, and I just want you to notice there are six organizations. Now we partner with more organizations locally, but this month we're highlighting these six organizations. You'll notice there are four on the inside and there are two on the back. Now, what I want you to know about these six organizations is we didn't just like pull them off of a website, but instead our staff, primarily Pastor Sean, she not only researched all these organizations, she went to each one of these organizations and she interviewed their staff and she vetted their organization to see how effective they are in making an impact and how open they are to partner with us going forward. So there's been a lot of research in selecting these six organizations because these are organizations that are experts here in Collin County at serving the poor and the hungry. One of these organizations is an expert at serving the orphans, at serving expected parents, serving the homeless here in our county, serving single moms who are trying to come out of homelessness. What an opportunity we have to partner with these organizations and to show the love of God by giving financially and serving physically. Now, what I want you to do, if you look at that little handout that you were given on your way in, is to notice that there are three opportunities from the organizations at the top of the page. There's two on the inside and one on the back, but all three of those organizations at the top half of the pages are organizations where there is an opportunity to serve. So this is where you would register to show up at one of the serve days, you might spend an hour or two, and you would invest some of your time. The organizations at the bottom of the pages, you'll notice there's two on the inside, again the third one on the back. Those three organizations, there is an opportunity to give. Specifically, they have a list of needs that they've shared with us. And so what we've done is we have compiled a master list of all these needs from all three organizations. And our goal in this series is to, uh, to ask enough people to partner with us that we could get everything on the list that would meet the needs of all three of these organizations. In fact, we're just going to call it Clear the List, the idea that we can meet each one of these needs. And you may say, well, why is that such a big deal? Because I can tell you as a leader of a nonprofit, nobody ever goes into leading a nonprofit hoping that someday they can raise, spend a lot of time trying to raise money. But it is a reality and we can help meet these needs and we can allow these organizations to focus instead on the homeless. We can allow them to focus on these expectant parents and the orphans. We can allow them to move into what God has called them to do and that they are doing incredibly well. So you may just be asking, okay, so Mark, how can I help? Well, Sean already mentioned the angel tree that's out in the lobby as well as portraits of hope out in the lobby. Now I wanna give you three more opportunities and these will continue throughout the series. You'll get familiar with these organizations. Each week we'll highlight a different one. Today we've highlighted Embrace on the video that you saw earlier. But let me give you these three ways that you can help. Very tangible and specific ways. We're talking about Monday morning, eight o'clock. We're talking today at 11.30, okay? You can help. First, clear the list. Meaning, you give a one-time gift over the next month of $20. All of it will go to that, the, these three organizations. 
And if you will do that, here's how it'll break down. We're looking for 116 people who will give a one-time gift of $20. You can cash or credit out in the lobby. We have a donation station out there. 24 of those giving units will go to Shiloh Place. You can read about them in there. 28 will go to Embrace, which is the video we saw earlier. And then 65 of those giving units will go to Razor Elementary right down the road. You say, well, can I give more than $20 or can I give more than one gift? And the answer is absolutely. You say, well, what if we go over? Here's the really good news. As you can imagine, they're always in need and they express sort of a need list and then they also have a wish list. And we get to hit some of those things if and when we go over. We'll give you an update of where we are as we go through this. But here's the goal. 116 people who will give a one-time gift of $20 and we can clear the list, and we can let them do what they do best in serving the least of these among us and to get intentional about partnering with these organizations. So number one, you can give. What's another way that I can give? Well, number two, you can write. There are thank you cards out in our lobby today, and we want to be able to encourage these teachers at Razor Elementary. That's a school that's right down the road. If you're not familiar with Razor, Razor actually services a lot of our underprivileged kids in the community, and they're right down the road. They have between 65 and 70 staff and teachers, and we would love to just encourage them in a practical way. So if you would take five minutes after the service today or next week, again, out in the lobby, and we'll have pens and cards, you can just stop by and you can just write them a note and let them know we see them as heroes, making a difference in the next generation in the underprivileged and we are grateful for them and the work that they are doing week in and week out that we can't do but we can partner with them while they do it because it matters so you can give you can write finally number three you can serve now again if you take that flyer there are three in-person giving or serving opportunities you can see those organizations at the top of the page and when, when the, the, the serving days are, you can go to the QR code and you can register if you would like to do that or you can just actually look at the, the, the web page at the bottom on the cover of that. You can register when you want to serve and what day makes the most sense for you. But we want to partner with these people who are showing the love of God. We want to come alongside of them and just cheer them on because what they're doing is important. So let me just be really blunt. I can't think of one reason. Everybody in this room can't do at least one of these things. So don't allow this to be like that bystander effect. Well, I hope they do that because that seems like a good idea. But like Paul who said, don't let your money grab your heart and your hope. Don't let your money grab your mind and your pride. We lay it all aside. We say, God, thank you for what you've given me. But I want to serve the least of these. And here's a simple way I can take a step, even today, and do one of these things. Why? Why is this so important? Here's why I think it's so important. Not only in our walk with God do we want to not let our money take our arrogance or our hope, but more than that, these organizations are doing important stuff. We want to let them know that we're glad they're here. We want to let them know that what we think that what they're doing really matters. And we want to partner with them and show up alongside of them and say, we are cheering you on. It's not about us. 
It's all about him. And when people are doing his work, let's cheer them on. Let's make sure we let them know how much they matter and how grateful we are that they're here. So I'm going to ask everybody to take at least one of these steps. And let's show the community God's love. Let me ask you to repeat that bottom line just one more time. Say this out loud with me if you would. I won't put my hope in riches, but in the one who richly provides. Every series, if you're new, what we like to do is have a verse that we anchor the series around. And at the end of the series, if you're really a go-for-it kind of person, we ask you to memorize it. Because here's what we believe, when you plant those things in your heart, it has a way of God using those in the future. We think there's that kind of wisdom in the scriptures. And so the memory verse that I want to introduce to you today, we've already read it, but it's 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18. Man, is this thing practical. And there's a good way just to live the rest of your life. Every time you are reminded that you're blessed, go to this verse as a guide of how to live your life. And so I'm going to say it out loud one time, and then I'm going to ask you to stand and say it out loud with me as we begin to put this one to memory. Paul, the legendary follower of Jesus, to young Timothy and to these first century Christians, he said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. 1 Timothy 6, 18. Church, would you just stand with me today? And together out loud, would you just say this verse? Read this with me. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. 1 Timothy 6, 18. Let's pray. Well, God, today we come to you just so thankful for the blessings that you have given us increasingly aware of how rare that is. Lord, it's all from you. You are the one who richly provides. So God, help us to find ways to do these good deeds and to be generous. Move in us the right step to take today. God, you are just so faithful. And I know there are hearts here that carry different burdens today. We celebrate not our circumstances, but we celebrate you and your faithfulness. We celebrate you and your goodness. Today, we celebrate you and your mercy. Now allow us, God, to be your hands and feet of mercy right here in Collin County. I pray. In your son Jesus' name, amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.